welcome back to another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod and with me a new co-host for the first time on the Through the Banner podcast, Fraser Douglas. Fraser, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Why don't you introduce yourself? Thanks for having me, Casper. It's, uh, it's a pleasure pleasure to be on the Through the Banner podcast. I've uh, been listening for a while and uh, it's an absolute uh, thrill to be amongst you and uh, the illustrious panel that has preceded me. And um, yeah, so I'm a bit of a swans man. You can see on the Zoom, but obviously not through the podcast. So I've got a few scarves in the background, but um, yeah, big, big swans man. Love my footy, love my sport. So uh, I'd love nothing more than uh, to chat a bit of rubbish with you over the next next hour or so. And hopefully uh, we uh, find a few topics to talk about around uh, the coming round and the, the week that's been in footy. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Fraser. Absolute pleasure having you on. Um, always great to have new voices on and always great to have a fellow Swan supporter on as well. And dear, dear listener, that's not the only reason, right? That's the only reason why I've got Fraser on. But um, yeah, no, it's great to have a fellow Swan supporter on there. Uh, us Swan supporters, especially in Victoria, we've got to stick together. Um, basically, dear listener, if you haven't listened to this podcast before, three parts, First part, we'll be discussing the round that's just been, round five. Fraser and I'll give our top two highlights, top two lowlights each. Part two, we'll dive into four of the major talking points to come out of the round. And then part three, we will preview round six. And it promises to be an exciting round of football. Let's get on to those top two highlights and top two lowlights. Fraser, I'll let you start off this one. What is uh, what are your top two highlights for the round? Top two highlights for me, uh, absolutely, obviously the Swans, man, but the Giants, just to see them back playing some good footy again. Like we've seen a couple of good performances. They've strung a couple in a row. They're obviously playing tonight. Be interested to see how they go there. But over the top of the Swans, the Swans obviously had a couple of injuries with uh, Hickey going down with the knee and Buddy with the the bruising of the of the leg, and. Um, yeah, I thought the Giants really fought well. They just ran right over the top of the Swans. And the Swans have been strong in that area. Seem like they're really fit this year. We'll see how that, if whether that continues. They, um, I've got question marks over them this week and whether they can um, continue their form. But absolutely, the Giants, great to see them back because there was that period at the start of the year where I wasn't sure whether they were going to be hang, hanging around the top eight. But right now, I feel like they're definitely in contention. Absolutely. And uh, what about your second uh, your second highlight? My, sec- my second highlight, um, I caught the Melbourne Hawthorne game last week. I was at the G and um, it was a cold day, but the way that Melbourne just powered away from Hawthorne in that last quarter, that was like, it was an impress- in a really impressive performance. Um, Hawthorne did well to stick with them, I thought. Uh, it was a, it was a pretty, pretty good contest, but the way they were able to just um, push away when, like, the, when the chips were down, the play, the big players stood up. Max Gorn was just superb all afternoon, and I mean Hawthorne, maybe not Hawthorne, not a top eight side. Probably, probably more likely a top bottom four side, I should say. But um, just finding a way to win those games, like I feel like last year, Melbourne last year would have probably given that one away. That's kind of what it felt like it just before three quarter time when they kicked a couple to push the margin out to twelve points. Mm-hmm. Um, they just seemed to find a way and. I feel like last year it wouldn't have been the same. 
fully agree with you on that one, mate. Now, um, before I get onto my top two highlights, I just want to ask you, you talked about Max Gorn, Brownlow medal contender, yes or no? Uh, for me, yes, because uh, you think you think about Melbourne, you think you think Clayton Oliver, you think Christian Petraka, are they going to steal votes? For me, Gorn's far and away been their best player so far this year. Whether that changes, we'll see. But Petraka hasn't, I don't think he, he's, been sensational and Oliver's been good as well but they're not at that Petrak is not at that same peak level that he was last year that saw him finish was it second or third last year in the Brownlow which is a superb effort obviously but Gorn just far and away the best ruckman in the conversation he's definitely pulled away from Grundy whether that's down to Grundy maybe coming away or dropping off a little bit not that it takes much when you're at that high peak level but um yeah I think he's in with a chance it's always always going to be tough for a ruckman to win it but it would be great to see. Yeah, it's, it absolutely would be. I can't remember the last time that a big man won the Brownlow medal who wasn't a Mitchell. Too long. Been Too for long. a long, long time. Gorney, got to break the drought, mate. Onto my top <laughs> two highlights. Number one for me, Richmond. Last few seasons have started the year kind of slowly, and I thought that that was the way it was going to go after they got crushed by the Swans in round three, Lost, admittedly, a heartbreaker against Port Adelaide, and I always think that teams who lose close games are always unlucky. Still, counts as a loss, and I thought against the Saints, rejuvenated St. Kilda after that awesome second half against West Coast, I thought the Tigers were going to lose three in a row, and egg on my face. Um, that was terrifying. It reminded me of Hawthorne in 2015. And I know anyone listening to this who hates Richmond is going to be like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't compare them to Hawthorne in 2015. Look, I know. But Hawthorne 2015, they had a two-week period in the middle of the season where they met the Swans and they met Fremantle, two other teams who were challenging for the flag. They beat the Swans by about 80 points and they beat the Dockers by about 70 points in back-to-back games. And that was terrifying. This feels like that. And I'm not saying that St. Kilda are at the same level as Sydney or Fremantle were in 2015. Nowhere near it. But it was just that awesome ability for Richmond to just show up when, they're, when their backs were against the wall, coming off a couple of losses, and just belt the living daylights out of another team. It was incredible to watch. Like, oh my goodness. And I look, right, we'll get on to the Saints later, but... Man, Richmond were incredible. Another team that had a very impressive win for me were Brisbane. Had a pretty mediocre first month of the year. Heading into it, they were coming up against a potentially dangerous Essendon outfit. And it was in the wet. Dad sent me a text message. My dad is an Essendon supporter. Sent me a text message midway through that second quarter. And it just simply read, Sunshine State? Question mark. It did look like they weren't playing in Brisbane and they were playing in Bangladesh instead during the monsoon season. But Brisbane were playing as if there was no rain on the ground at all. They were so clean in their disposals and they were so clean and efficient going inside 50. Their marking was incredible. Joey Danaher, I love you, man. And no matter how many other Essendon supporters boo you, I cannot find it in my heart to, to wish you anything less than all the best up in Brisbane, and it's great to see you playing great football. Um, most disposals he's ever had in a game. Joe Danaher, 25 touches, absolutely fantastic effort. Um, I'll get onto the top two lowlights. Get into the top two lowlights. I'll start us off, if that's all right, 
Gold Coast. No, I know they've had injuries. I know they've had injuries, okay? But so has everyone else. And I know they're a young team, but guess what? So are the Swans. So are the Bombers. So are so many other teams that you can just rattle off that are young like the Suns. And yet, none of them have only kicked nine points in a half of football so far this year. The first 11 goals of the game. I was watching that second, second quarter and I was thinking, oh my God, maybe, <laughs> maybe hashtag 21 in a row, which the dogs kicked against my bombers in 2019. Maybe the dogs can top that effort this time around. And even that was a disappointment because the Suns then got the next goal. So thanks for that Gold Coast. You couldn't even lose properly. And I can't believe I tipped the Suns to win. I know, I know. <laughs> Double eggs on my face. I tipped St. Kilda and Gold Coast to win. Look, anyone listening to this, don't listen to my tips. Just do the exact opposite, all right? Do the, just don't listen to what I have to say. <laughs> Second low light for me, and we will get into this team later on, but I just want to touch on the Saints. Heading into that game against Richmond, I thought, well, maybe the game against Essendon was, you know, just a little blip. Maybe that was, you know, maybe that was a one-off. Now I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, well, maybe the second half against the Eagles was a one-off. Because let's not forget, against the Eagles, they were five goals down. Yeah, sure, they came back to win, but they were still five goals down, which means that for just over half of that game, they were still pretty bad. To lose two out of the opening five games by 12 plus goals is abysmal. When one of them came against Essendon, and I'm saying this as an Essendon supporter, that's even worse. Where are you at, St. Kilda? I don't even get you. Anyways, moving on to uh, your top two lowlights. Fraser, what about you? Top two lowlights for me, um, you've kind of mentioned, but St Kilda and Carlton, and Carlton, I'll put them together as one, but two teams with top eight aspirations coming into this year. St Kilda arguably hoping to go top four. Their list, I think they've got the, the either the oldest, I think they're the oldest list by age in the competition. Wow. I think they've got three or four on their list under 21. I mean, it's it's not the, you don't want to be losing by Two, two, last, two of their last three, they lost by 75 plus, as you just mentioned. And Carlton, I just don't know where they're going. Like, it feels like they've just been in this state. Like, they've had like, they've had like this semi-rebuild, just hasn't worked. And they haven't really, like, you've seen the kids trying to come through. You've got like Paddy Dow and Lockie O'Brien in that same draft, both top 10, top 11, top 12 picks. There's plenty of others. And they just haven't really, I feel like they haven't got the opportunity and that's, I think that's going to that's gonna burn them. I just don't see them making the eight. Who knows? But I just can't see it. And my other low light, it's, it's Geelong. I just expected more. Playing North Melbourne, who is, I'm sorry to say to North fans, but it feels like they're in a different league at the moment. That's no offense to the, the te- it's, it's just a, it's bad. It's bad list management at North. Like that's just what's happened. I mean, they're going to, they'll be fine. They'll get, They'll get it going again. They're a proud club. But right now, they're off the pace and to only win by under 40 points. And then they lose Jangerfield as well, who's just come back. He's out indefinitely. That'll be at least six to eight weeks. I mean, it's just a flatten out. And then they've got West Coast this week. I mean, it's just, it just doesn't look great. Like, 
they're, they're playing down at Geelong and their backs are against the wall. They need to win this. I think Jeremy Cameron's going to play. So they really need to win this one this weekend. This could be a sneaky chance to be the game of the round, but we'll get into that at the end of the podcast. Moving on to the major talking points, we talked about Carlton and St Kilda. Part two of the episode, let's get into question one. You kind of already answered this question, but I'll, I'll ask you it again. Can the Saints and Blues turn their respective seasons around before it's too late? I think St Kilda can. I think we've seen their best. That last quarter and a little bit, a little bit of the third against West Coast a couple of weeks back. I mean, that was, that was St Kilda at their best. When they've got their horses and like they're miss, they're still Rowan Marshall played, but he was, they brought him back too early and he was injured. When he's up, like he's a he's a top five, top ten ruckman in the league. And then you got Paddy Ryder, who is just elite, elite with taps. Like he's up there, he's not Nat Nui, but he's one echelon below. They once they get their horses back, I feel like they can make a charge. But right now, like last, last you mentioned the Richmond game, it's some of that was effort. Like if you're not gonna, you got to try. I mean, it sounds harsh, but some of that was absolutely effort, and it's it's fair when you come up against when you come up against Richmond, they make you look like you're not trying because you just can't get your hands on the football. But I mean, they need they need to get their cattle back. I think I think Paddy Wright is not far away, and I think Rowan Marshall might play this weekend. But um, yeah, I think I think St Kilda are a chance. Carlton, Carlton don't have that many injuries. They're not missing that many people. Like they've got Brisbane this week, and we'll touch on that shortly. But they need to get they need to get rolling as well if they want to be around the mark. I mean, I feel like this it's a pretty even competition this year, other than two or three. And um, I feel like you can make the you can make the top eight with a with like a five hundred record. You know what I mean? Like a, a twelve and eleven. Like so, they're not they're, they're definitely not out of the race, but they're not making it easy on themselves the way they've started, and they've started this way for too many years in a row now. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. I've got the um, I've got the opposite opinion here. I think Carlton are a better opportunity to turn it around than St Kilda. All and right. the reason why, I look at that and and granted they have the same number of wins and losses, granted, and you can argue that, you know, the the um uh you know, you can argue whether or not Carlton's wins have been as impressive as St Kilda's victories. You know, yeah, true, they, they crushed the Dockers, but it was an unconvincing win against Gold Coast. You know, Saints had that inspirational win against the Eagles. But I look at percentage on the ladder. Carlton are sitting at 95.8%, right? Which is pretty good for, for a team that's sitting two and three. That's pretty good. They just have to compete for longer than the Blues. There's these periods of time where they just don't compete. First quarter against, I'm sorry, last quarter against Richmond. Last year was the first quarter against Richmond. You know, um, they, it was the middle two quarters against Port Adelaide where they let the game blow out and then they had to play catch up. It was that second quarter against Collingwood, you know, and they're really good for the rest of the game. But because of that 30 to 40 to 50 minute lapse, it doesn't matter. You know, you have another honorable loss. So I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a fitness thing with the Blues. Maybe maybe they can't physically compete for more than three quarters. If that's the case, that's a problem. But I don't think it's a massive problem to turn around. For me, looking at St. Kilda, I genuinely don't know what the problem is. 
right? And you mentioned injuries and that's very true. But at the same time, a lot of other teams who have who, who deal with a lot worse injuries are having far better seasons than St Kilda. Their percentage is second worst in the competition. They are sitting at 71.4%. Only North Melbourne has less. And I look at that and I'm thinking, man, the Saints thus far are lucky, are lucky to have those two wins. If the Eagles weren't so cocky and if the Giants didn't choke a 16-point lead away in round one, the Saints would be zero and five. And the way that they've been playing, it would be fully deserved. Looking at their upcoming um, draws, both teams have tricky games coming up. Blues have Brisbane this weekend, the Dons at the G, the Dogs at Marvel, and Melbourne at the MCG, right? If they want to prove that they deserve to play in finals football, they should minimum win two out of those four games. As for St. Kilda, play Port this weekend. Then, you know, they get a couple of quote-unquote easy beats, Hawthorne and Gold Coast. And then they play back-to-back Geelong versus the Dogs. We talked about Geelong before. Geelong being unconvincing. And even with how Geelong are playing at the moment, they would still beat the Saints by seven goals, eight goals at the moment. <laughs> you know? So for me, and granted, right, I say easy beats, Hawthorne, Gold Coast, easy beats. We were supposed to be easy beats for the Saints in round three. We were supposed to be roadkill for St. Kilda, right? Nice, easy rebound before, you know, the real tests start to come. And we beat them by 75 points. So for me, I think the Blues are a better opportunity to turn around than the Saints. Um, I haven't lost complete faith in the Saints just yet, but it's definitely dwindling. On to the next question. This one is very interesting. Now, you mentioned you're a Swans fan. Mentioned that Swans-Giants game. I want to ask you, Fraser, have the fortunes of the two New South Wales teams completely reversed? I'll start off with this one, if that's all right. Um, In terms of injuries, kind of. The Giants are still losing players, but nowhere near as much as they they were before. You know, Giants, they had that game in Canberra where they lost – Davis and they lost Cornelio. It was just a disaster for them. You know, I think the only injury to come out of the um, Swans game, uh, I can't remember the player, but somebody injured their knee, I think. But it was it was like a tweak, so they should be fine to go. Um, Swans are starting to lose key players. First three or four weekends, first three games, relatively injury free, and then round four, round five, it's gone to hell. Buddy, Rampy, Heaney. All those players injured. Thankfully, thankfully, fingers crossed, knocking on wood like crazy that it's short-term injuries. Um, but still, interesting enough, the Swans were the second last team to use the injury substitute for the first time this season. Happened in round four against the Bombers. Only Melbourne lasted longer with having to substitute a player out of the game due to injury. This, however, I think tells the story more. Scores per inside 50s. Sydney, in their round three win against Richmond, had 32 scoring shots from 62 inside 50s. And if my admittedly dodgy math serves me well, that is a 51.61% success scoring rate every single time they win inside 50s. The Giants on the same weekend, 13 scoring shots from 49 inside 50s, or 26.5%. 
that's not going to win you a lot of games of football. Unsurprisingly, the Giants got crushed. On the weekend, Sydney Derby, Sydney had 19 scoring shots, shots from 55 inside 50s. The Giants had 26 from 56. Now, 26 from 56 isn't that great. That's a hell of a lot better than 19 from 55. That also coincides with the Giants scoring output increasing in terms of goals, 11 goals, seven goals, 11 goals across the first three games. Round four, they kicked 14 goals and round five, now round five, they only kicked nine goals, but they had 26 scoring shots. So really they should have, they should have had more goals, the Giants. The Swans, conversely, same time period, 19 goals in round one, 18 in round two, 17 in round three, down to 11 in round four and 10 in round five. So yes, their fortunes have reversed a bit. We'll get a clearer picture over the next two weekends. Very interesting, the next fortnight, both teams have a winnable game. Giants play the Crows in Adelaide next week. Swans play the Suns this weekend. And both teams have a really difficult game. Giants play the Dogs tonight. Swans play Geelong next week. So we'll know a lot more about the fortunes of the two New South Wales teams. A lot more two weeks from now. But Fraser, I want to ask your opinion. In your opinion, have the, have the, have the fortunes reversed? Well, I think it's a great question you ask, Casper. I mean, at the start of the or the first couple of weeks, it really, well, from even from last year where we saw the Giants, they weren't contending, but they were close. They were around the mark and the Swans down the bottom of the ladder. And then we see the Swans come out and just shattered my expectations. Didn't think we'd any, be anywhere near Richmond in that round three game and just blew them away. And then the Giants are looking... They're just looking slow. Obviously had those injuries you mentioned. Not that that is an excuse, but yeah, they looked at a step off the pace. And then we've seen in the last couple of weeks since the Sydney-Essendon game where Essendon really did test Sydney and um, the Giants rolled Collingwood at the G, which was a really good win. And um, yeah, I, I think you make a great point. Um, the Giants look on the way up, whereas the Swans, they come up against the Suns on Saturday. I definitely think it's a danger game for the Swans. I think the ground will suit them. I really do think that the, the bigger grounds will suit them. The way they're playing seems to be a lot more fitness. I don't think we were that fit. The Swans were that fit last year compared to now. Got those runners, got the, the younger players who have definitely added a bit of a spark. I feel like last year we were slow. And um, no, I completely, I completely agree with the sentiment. The Giants, I mean, Toby Green, just a total barometer. If he's not there, I don't think they win. Like I don't think they win last week. Like he kicked, I think he kicked seven behinds, but still, I don't think they get over the line. Nowhere near it. Like he's just like he's he's got to be in the conversation for like one of the better captains at the moment. Obviously, interim while Caniglio's out, but just so important to them. Like their forward line, I don't think that it functions because if you don't have if you don't have Green in that forward line and pushing up into the midfield occasionally. Then you've got Finlayson and Himmelberg, and they're not, they're not number one forwards. I mean, last night in the VFL, Jesse Hogan tore the, tore the game to bits. So I feel like he'll be in the side shortly. And if he'll give them that avenue. So I definitely feel like they're on the way up. We've seen Callan Ward recapture some, some really good form. He's, he's racking them up. I thought he was just about at the end of last year. He's playing well. Some of the legs I've seen for a while, for a youngster, definitely. So I definitely think the Giants are going places. That's, I don't think they're, they're not a contender, but 
but I definitely think they can push for that. And um, I've definitely the top four aspirations of the Swans have probably been tempered a bit. Just I, I think when we saw them um, roll Richmond, I think um, a lot of people just thought oh, the, the, the reactions were, were insane. But some people did say they will get tired. Like former players said that the younger players will tire as the season goes on. And we've kind of already seen that. They were t- thinking about resting a few this week but with a few injuries. I'm thinking they'll probably they'll probably play again. So yeah, definitely a danger game for them this week if they want to if they want to like keep their chance at a, at a at a top four spot alive. You've got to beat Gold Coast up there. Yep, absolutely. Um, by the way, dear listener, if you can hear the echo, uh, I'm sitting in my stairways and I'm using my lovely neighbor's Wi-Fi. Um, so thank you very much, dear neighbor, for letting me use your Wi-Fi. Um, thus, if either Fraser or I drop out a little bit, you have to excuse us. We are in Australia, the land of the very slow Wi-Fi. Um, I want to ask you this question, Fraser. Talked about the Swans starting to struggle a little bit. We've talked about Carlton and St Kilda really struggling the Saints. Now let's talk about a team that is in the exact opposite end of the spectrum team that's doing really, really, really well, Melbourne. Are the Demons finally for real or is this just a red and blue mirage? Another great question you pose. I've caught quite a few Melbourne games. Um, I've been lucky enough to get a few. um, uh, They seem to have a lot of Sunday games, which kind of suits my work schedule at the moment. And um, they've been, the, the first few games, really, really strong, like round one against Frio. Like that was a game that, I, that people were thinking Frio might win that. Like Frio at the end of last season, people were firmly on the Frio bandwagon. And Melbourne came out and they were, they were clearly a level above Frio. And I think that, that's still the case now. I think most people would agree with that. And then they've, they've, well, they're, they're undefeated still, but they've just been ticking the boxes. They haven't, they've blown a few teams away. Nothing like... Um, Nothing like 80 points or anything, but they've, they've won comfortably. And then, then on Sunday against Hawthorne, the Sunday just been, it was a bit of a danger game for them. And it, at halftime, they were down and it was just kind of, it was just kind of one, it felt like one of those days, the MCC was, was packed. I could just see them getting ready to turn around and head on home at three-quarter time. But they hung around and then by three-quarter time, they'd hit the front. And then in the last quarter, they just put the foot down and Hawthorne were nowhere near it in the last quarter. They just outworked them, outran them. They've obviously got, they've got the, um, a really strong fitness um, base now. That's what they built their game on when they, were, when they almost made the grand final. What was that four years ago now? It feels like it was just, um, just yesterday. But um, yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I think the game this weekend, arguably match of, the, match of the round, we'll touch on it shortly, but that's the real test going up against Richmond. They, have, they haven't played... They played Geelong, and that, that's their that's their biggest win probably so far. But even when I saw that game, Geelong weren't Geelong weren't that close to them. They Geelong weren't playing that well. So um, Saturday night should be a cracking game, and hopefully they can stick with them. I don't think they need to win to show that they're for real, but they've got to be. They've got to keep it close, and yeah, hopefully they can. I'm so excited for that game on Saturday night. I, it could be the game of the season. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm jumping the shark a little bit here. It could also be a blowout, but it could be one of the games of the year. Um, I've looked at a couple of stats. They, Melbourne are second for contested possession so far this year, fifth in total possession. 
second for total hitouts, fourth for total clearances, third for tackles, first for total inside 50s. Looking at all that tells me one thing, that Melbourne is a tough, tough, tough team to play against. They bullied the opposition. You just had to watch that last quarter against Hawthorne. Melbourne were awesome. And you're right in saying that they were challenged in that game against the Hawks. It was a massive danger game for them. And I looked at the third quarter, and then the Hawks were just pegging closer and closer and closer. And I thought, oh, no, Melbourne's going to Melbourne's gonna do one of those typical Melbourne losses, you know, game that they should win, and they end up losing. And nope, once again, third egg on my face of the weekend. Um, you should call me Egg Boy. Just absolutely demolished them in that last quarter. It was absolutely incredible. They're winning comfortably, right? Second highest percentage in the competition behind the Dogs, and the Dogs are only ahead of them courtesy of the North Melbourne win. Not to take anything away from that game from the Dogs, but really, like, that was one game where they beat an opposition comfortably. Okay, two if you count the Gold Coast game. But Melbourne have won each of their five games so far very comfortably. People might say, who have they won against? Uh, Geelong. And yet Geelong's not playing well at the moment. But many people still have them in their top four and are potentially winning the flag this year. They crushed the Giants in Canberra at a ground where the Giants rarely lose at. Hawthorne, a team where Melbourne has struggled, uh, against who Melbourne has struggled to win against in the last 15 years or so. A Hawthorne team unlucky not to beat the Cats and were super competitive against the Tigers and kicked eight goals in a quarter against the Bombers. And I know they're only playing the Bombers, but still eight goals in a quarter. Like, there's nothing to sneeze at, no matter who you're playing against. And Melbourne beat them by 50 points. Let that sink in. Now, I'm going to say the words that Melbourne fans are absolutely going to be hearing in their nightmares for a while. Melbourne are the real deal, at least for the moment. And who knows? Maybe they'll collapse. Maybe they'll win the minor premiership. Anything could happen this year in Melbourne, but they've given themselves a fantastic basis, to, um, a fantastic base to, to launch um, into the second part of the season from. So fantastic start. On to the last question, Collingwood. Can Collingwood recover from the on-field and off-field issues that they have brought upon themselves? Thanks, Casper. Um, with Collingwood, I mean, obviously they've got that, everything that's been happening off-field recently. They've had, there's obviously questions around um, Nathan Buckley's future as head coach, but then they've also had the, the Jeremy Howe and Jordan DeGoey like, on their phones in the rumours that during the game last week against West Coast. And then they've had the, the club presidency with Mark Corder announced on Wednesday night. And that um, didn't go down particularly well. I think there's going to be a challenger or something in the next few days or the next week or so. So that's, that's still up in the air. And, but hopefully, um, hopefully that acts as a bit of a distraction away from, away from the Nathan Buckley side of things and the, off, and the on-field side of things so that they can come together and galvanize. They've obviously lost a goey and how, and that kind of, that will show us if, if they're, if they're going to be around the bout, they're not, I don't think they're, 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 they're still a good side, whether they're in the Bulldogs, Richmond, Melbourne vein still, I'm not sure. Um, but I feel like they're still around that top eight area. It's just a matter of when they're with their horses out, they're missing some, some key players in, in how and to goey like key rotation players 
whether they can still fight through that. I mean, we'll see it on um, on Sunday, Collingwood Essendon. That's going to be a crack up. But um, yeah, absolutely. They've got to be winning that. I mean, Essendon, no offense to your good self, but Collingwood should be winning that. And if they can't, well, yeah, it's going to be back to the drawing board, I would have thought. Absolutely agree with you there, Fraser. Sorry, just waiting a uh, little bit of uh, background noise <laughs> on, the, uh, on the staircase. Um, That's all right. We're going well. Yeah, no, so far, so far, so good. Um, congratulations, Mark Corder, new Collingwood president. Congratulations, Collingwood. You have now sorted out one of the biggest off-field problems that your club had, which was who the hell is going to sit at the top? And congratulations, you now have that person. Now the question surrounding Nathan Buckley, I think is going to only get louder, especially if the on-field performances don't improve. The next four weeks, the Magpies have Essendon, Gold Coast, North Melbourne, and the Swans in Sydney. The Collingwood hierarchy I think we'll be expecting to win three out of those four, if not all of those games. If they win two or less, the pressure on Buckley, Buckley is only going to increase. Because don't forget, he's had 10 years at the job, 10 seasons now, where Granton came within a kick of a premiership, but still no premiership. And a big club like Collingwood to stick for to stick with one coach for that long without tasting the ultimate success. I just think I don't know whether or not they can they can they can stick with it because big clubs are impatient, right? You saw through the '80s and the '90s with Richmond clubs that demand success and don't get it for a long period of time. The pressure comes on that coach, especially if it's a big Victorian club like Collingwood. Now, um, looking at their injury lists, brutal game out west for them. Dugowie, Howe, Greenwood, all missing the Anzac Day clash. But you're right in saying that they are probably favourites heading into that game against us. Because again, how can you? <laughs> I, think I, I think I heard that somebody said, how can you tip Essendon? And that's a good, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. If they lose to the Bombers, the pressure is going to be cranked up to about 100 on Nathan Buckley. Um, and it's just that they've, they've got to stop with the off-field distractions. You know, you mentioned the mobile phone situation, and I, I fully understand how, you know, the players, you know, according to, I think it was Pendlebury who said that they were trying to text their loved ones to let them know that they were okay in the state of their injuries, and I get that. But somebody at the club is probably going to be fired for not having those phones locked away, right? I want, to, I want to know who the hell that was and why they weren't doing their job properly because that just creates yet another level of drama that this club does not need. This club almost reminds me of the kid in high school who has just like all these dramas and keeps getting themselves into even more drama. They're just causing more like... They're getting in fights with other kids. They're like getting into scandals after scandal and they keep saying things that, you know, going to come back to bite them on the backside. And it's just like, just stop what you're doing and just do what you're supposed to do. 
you know, just learn or in Collingwood's case, just play footy. Maybe it's time, Collingwood, to look at the players that you have on your list who are 30 and 30 and above or approaching 30. And maybe it's time to start to evaluate about whether or not they should be there for much longer. Should Sidebottom be there longer? Adams, Pendlebury, Grundy, you've got the mega contract with, right? And thus far, only a few games into it, I know. But so far, I don't want to say it's looking like a mistake, but it's looking like a little bit of a mistake. Seven years for Ruckman, especially at his age, even though, you know, he's you know, prime of his career when he signed it, I get it. But seven years for a bloke whose job it is to literally crash and bash into other big blokes and to have big blokes crash and bash into him, right? Every multiple times a game at, at stoppages and at, at center bounces. And so I just, it, it's a series of calamity, calamity, uh, can't speak English, series of horrible decisions that have put Collingwood in the position that they are in. You know, it's going to be the one tonic for them, though. Winning. They need to get back to winning. So I'm going to ask you this, Fraser. Um, can Collingwood get on a winning streak? Little side question to the main question. Can Collingwood get on a winning run? We brought up their next four, and he said they should be at, or they're, they're probably thinking the head honchos at Collingwood are probably thinking three of the next four. I mean, when you read out those names, like that's doable. Three of the next four is doable. Um, so, I mean, yes, the answer is yes, but it's just such an unknown right now. I mean, Collingwood, like they've got the they've got the talent, but it's just a matter of whether they're at the right place. They've still got the f- f- belief and confidence in Buckley, with everything off field that's happened. They're losing. Like, you can't underestimate losing Howe and Ngoi. Like, they've only just got Howe back. Obviously, he was injured most of last year. And Ngoi's off-field stuff, I mean, he's constantly stuffing up off-field. Mm. So, it's just one of those. They, they, it's, definitely, it's not a matter of whether they can. They can. It's just a matter of whether they will. And right now, I'd, I'd, if I was, was going to bet, I would say no. That we'll, it's just one of those things we'll see. I mean... It, they, if they take it one week at a time, they've got Essendon this week. That's a game they should win. If they don't, they've got to reassess and look at going in a different direction. If I was a Collingwood fan, if I was a Collingwood fan and if Collingwood beats Essendon on Sunday, I'm looking at their next two games, Gold Coast and North Melbourne, teams who they not only should win against, but should crush. And I would be sweating bullets. I would be so nervous because I'm looking at those two. I'm just thinking, God, we were supposed to beat the Giants in round four and we got crushed by them by five goals. This could be such such a typical, typical, typical Collingwood loss if we beat the Bombers on Anzac Day and then lose to the Suns. <laughs> it's such a Collingwood thing to do. Can they get on a run? They could. Will they? Eh. I'm split on the issue because... Their, their opponents this week, the next three weeks at least, aren't noteworthy. And so I, I can't see 
I can see Essendon challenging Collingwood. I can't see Gold Coast or North Melbourne challenging Collingwood. And so Collingwood, on the one hand, I think Collingwood are going to have to really stuff up really badly to lose to the Suns and the Kangaroos. But could they do it at the same time? Yeah, absolutely. It's Collingwood. Why can't they lose to the Kangaroos and the Suns? Anything's possible. Uh, moving on to round three, uh, excuse me, part three, the predictions for round six starts tonight with a monster clash in the nation's capital, Giants versus the Dogs, the youngest rivalry in the competition and quite possibly the most heated at the moment rivalry in the competition. I'll let you start with this one, Fraser. Can the Giants win their third in a row or will the Dogs win their sixth in a row to start the year? It's a good effort to win six to start a year, and I think they will. Um, I feel like they've been even now, like they're going, they're going really, really strongly. I mean, this team, like they've, I think they've had six changes this week at, for a team that won by a good ten goals last week against the Suns. Like that's that's pretty amazing. And mm-hmm. if you if if you caught any of the the VFL last night against um the Giants, like the the players they've got running around in the VFL, uh, they've probably got the deepest list in the competition by by quite a stretch. I mean, I've 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 tipped um I've tipped the dogs by four goals. I think I think GWS keeps this close. If we if they if they keep on the trajectory they've got at the moment, their forward line's functioning well. And if Toby Green kicks straight, I mean, if he kicks three rather than one goal seven this week, then that keeps them in the game. It's typically a, a low scoring game down there um, in Canberra, and I just feel like it'll be a, it'll be one of those games. It's just close. Um, low scoring, one of those slogs. We know they're fierce rivals. I'm sure it'll be a physical contest, and yeah, it should be a cracking Friday night, uh, Friday night game of footy. Should be the Giants are going to be hoping that it goes a lot better than the last time they played on Friday night football in <laughs> Capital when they got crushed in that snow game, almost by ten goals against Hawthorne of all teams. Um, I think the Dogs do it. I'm tipping them by thirteen points. These two teams. I'm, I'm when it, when this. Yeah, a few weeks ago when the Giants were struggling, I was looking at that Friday night game and I was thinking, man, I, I really wish that the AFL put another team aside from the Giants on Friday night football. But they've turned it around the last two weeks. They really have. Last two weeks, if you thought the first three games, the last two weeks, the Giants have been the most exciting team to watch in the competition. So I'm glad they're on Friday night football. And against the Dogs, it's going to be physical. It's going to turn into a wrestling match at some point. Some punches might be thrown. It's going to be very entertaining. I hope nobody gets hurt. But in the end, the Dogs are going to win an absolute thriller. Down to Geelong for Saturday afternoon football at GMHBA Stadium. And this is a very interesting game. Geelong struggling for form at home against the Eagles who can't travel. I'll start off with this one. Um, just be, so I say the Eagles can't travel. It's not like they've been crushed away from home. You know, it's not like they've been beaten by nine or 10 goals every single time that they crossed another ball. That's not happened. They lost to the the dogs by seven points. They choked a game away against St. Kilda. You know, it's been competitive, at least from the Eagles perspective, when they've, when they've traveled interstate and they come up against Geelong, Injury problems, you mentioned Dangerfield out, major, major, major out. Form troubles, Jeremy Cameron comes back in. 
is he going to gel immediately with that forward line? I don't know. Maybe it'll take a few weeks for them to figure it out. But it doesn't matter. You could have Tony Lockett in that forward line, and you're not going to kick a winning score with that delivery inside 50. It's just abysmal. And then missing targets. I can't remember who it was who said this. And um, maybe Ben Dixon um, who mentioned this. He, he said, you know, that missing targets by, you know, a good few meters, Geelong. It's not like, you know, missing targets. Oh, only just by a little bit. Sailing over blokes' heads. You know, they're missing 30-meter kicks. Like, how on earth? And that was against North Melbourne. I just think the, the pressure that the Eagles bring almost every single week to a contest is going to overwhelm Geelong. And it's going to be an upset because the Eagles haven't been in Geelong in Geelong, I think, since 2006. Pretty good year for the Eagles, 2006. Well, sorry, sorry to bring that up for you, Fraser. <laughs> uh, I think the Eagles are going to win a classic. It's going to be a great game of football. Low scoring with... Both teams kind of struggling, I think. I think Eagles struggling to deal with the ground because it's a lot shorter. I, I expect a lot of kicks to go out of bounds on the fall, especially from the Eagles. Um, but I expect that Geelong's, they're not going to be able to turn around their form going inside 50 in the space of one week. I think it's going to take a couple of weeks to get that to be fixed. Eagles, good enough to beat them in Geelong, um, tipping the Eagles by two points. For me, um, I've got to give along the benefit of the doubt but I mean West Coast are right in this this is going to be a really good game I hope I definitely think you can't discount the, the ground um, the, the home ground factor here I mean Geelong just they know this ground so well whereas West Coast I feel like the bigger ground over there in WA it just absolutely suits them a treat I mean they'd love to have played this at um, the G on a Saturday or a Friday night rather than down there I mean I feel like that just suits their game style better. You know, that kick, the keepings off type game style. I mean, no, Josh Kennedy's been ruled out, which is a big out. So that means Oscar Allen plays one of the key four roles. And I'm, I'm very, I'm high on Oscar Allen. I think he's a, he's a future star. I'd, uh, I'd have him under 22 forwards in the competition. I've had, I'd only have him maybe behind Norton and that's about it. Like that's like, he's a really good player. He can clunk them and he'll, he'll have to stand up on, um, on Saturday if, if West Coast are to win this game. For me, though, I mean, Geelong, like, backs against the wall, as I mentioned earlier. I just feel like they'll find a way. And if they don't, I mean, gee, it's, it's not looking good considering the profile of their list. I, met, I mentioned earlier that St Kilda has the oldest list. Geelong is second. Um, so you can't you can't start this slowly with an ageing list. You're supposed to, start, supposed to start strong and continue rather than start slow and then get going. I mean... Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think I've got Geelong by 12. I feel like it'll be close. One of those, another physical game. But yeah, I feel like they should really kickstart their season at this point. And if they can't, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be tough for them. Um, got a potential dilemma here. Hopefully we can get through the rest of these predictions before my computer dies. It's on 7%. Let's rapid fire through the rest of these. Good idea. Gold Coast versus Sydney at Metricon Stadium. Um, I'll let you go with this one, Fraser. Who wins and by how much? I've got the Swans by a straight kick, six points. But I mentioned um, the Suns definitely have have a good shot at winning this. I can remember the Suns coming to the SCG and, and rolling the Swans a couple of years ago. And I definitely oh. feel like it's, it's got the similar makings of that kind of game. The Swans obviously missing a few key, a few key players, a couple of injuries in Tom Hickey and... Um, 
and Buddy. The the hickey the hickey injury is underrated. He's been sensational this year, and now they have to bring in probably either a McLean or a Sinclair, who just they're not they're not they're not they're not top echelon ruckman, and they they will get exposed. Um, although playing Gold Coast, they're also missing their ruckman, so it's kind of a battle of the makeshift ruckman. They're playing a key a key defender in their ruck as well, so it's just going to be it's a huge battle, like. Relatively even midfields, I feel like between these two teams, I'll almost give the edge to Gold Coast, mm. and up and up there, it's I'd have them right in. I've got the Swans by a kick. I feel like the ground will suit them, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah, they've got yeah. the quality Sydney, and if they want to be, if they want to stay around the mark of the top four and even the top eight, you can't you can't drop this. No. They should be winning. No, they should be. I agree. I'm tipping the Swans by twenty points. In short, better list, less injuries. Better list. Um, how about you, Carlton Brisbane? Carlton Brisbane. I'll keep this one short. Uh, Lions by three goals to me. I mentioned earlier that I'm not as high on Carlton as um as you. I think Carlton are really going to struggle um to make the eight. I don't think they've got the. You see some of these top teams like the Dogs. They've got that young talent really coming through and firing right now. You just don't have that with Carlton. Their best players are their older older players, and even then, their older players aren't playing that well either. So I've got the Lions by 18 points in this one. But, um, yeah, I feel like the Lions should win that midfield battle and just prove too strong. Agree with that one. Brisbane turned a corner last week, and I think that if they beat the Bombers by about 58 points, they'll beat Carlton by about 15 points. And as an Essendon supporter, that pains me to say, but <laughs> Carlton are thus, so far, a better team than Essendon. This game, I think, is going to be Belter. Melbourne versus Richmond. I'll go into this one first. Demons by four points. They are the real deal, and this is the week where everybody's going to take them seriously, finally, going to look at them and go, well, this team is legit. And sorry for all the snow fields up there. You're going to have a little bit less of a uh, crowd than you normally would this time of year. <laughs> well, we saw, obviously, um, Melbourne just absolutely gun Hawthorne in the last quarter. I think they outscored them by 40 um, in that term alone, which is just phenomenal at the end of a really it was a it was a hard hard fought game a lot of running and they just powered away the fitness edge just clear clear as day there but um this is their biggest test of the season and i i find it very hard to tip against richmond so i've got the rich i've got richmond by 15 but i do think it's going to be close and i'm really looking forward to getting there tomorrow night Fremantle north melbourne Fremantle by 40 points sorry don't think don't think i have to explain that one do i Fremantle by 40 points for me, yeah, I've got Freo by six goals. Um, I think Freo, I've got a great shot to go four and two here. And then I think they've got another very winnable game next weekend. So, like, Freo right in, right in the hunt for a top eight spot, sliding under the radar here. Matt Fife isn't really firing yet. If he gets up and going, look out. Hawthorne, Adelaide in Launceston. Um, it's, another, it's another tight contest. Like, Hawthorne... Hawthorne should be winning this, I think, down in Launceston. They're familiar with the ground. But for me, I think Adelaide's almost being underrated here. They're outsiders in this one. They've travelled well. The game they travelled to Sydney, they ended up losing by 40 points. They were good that day. The scoreline didn't flatter them. And um, they obviously came to Melbourne. And um, North Melbourne did hang with, hang with them for a bit, but they ended up powering away from them as well. So I wouldn't discount the Crows in this one. I've got them. I've got the Crows by six points. What about yourself? And Crows by four goals. Look, the Hawks, they have a bit of a streak down there in Launceston. They love playing down there. But the thing about streaks is that streaks come to an end. 
Crows are a better team than Hawthorne at the moment. That's why I'm tipping the Crows. Collingwood Essendon, very interesting. I'm tipping the Bombers by seven points. Am I com- am I confident? No, I've got to back the boys. I've got to back the squad. What about you, Fraser? Collingwood or Essendon? I've got Collingwood by 12 points. I think Collingwood should be winning this. I think the, the loss of Jordan Ridley, I mean, that can't be discounted. I mean, he is one of the better intercept markers in the game. Just a serious player, obviously, best and fairest winner um, from last year. You just can't, you can't, like those big names, like he, him out, Essendon's backline. I mean, who, like, you've got to figure out who comes back. Hooker's obviously forward these days. Does he go back? That disrupts your forward line. I think Colin would win. I think it'll be close. Hopefully another cracker on Anzac Day. Fingers crossed. Do have a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a history of struggling on Anzac Day. Do the Bombers. Hopefully they'll mm. be turned around. Interesting stat. Essendon won Anzac Day 2009, four years later, 2013, four years later, 2017, four years later, 2021. Who knows? Who, Who knows? knows? Who knows? Interesting little, <laughs> interesting little streak there. Port Adelaide versus St. Kilda at the Adelaide Oval. Again, I don't think I have to explain this one. Port by 50 points. And on the one hand, that feel, this feels like a potential danger game for the power. But on the other hand, I feel like I'm being generous to the Saints by saying they only lose by 50 points. I mean, Port obviously came over um, to Melbourne and just handled handled Carlton quite easily. They had they missed Rosie and Dersma, who were both out with injury, and there was like people were people were thinking Carlton were going to take it right up to him, but Port were just way too strong, and I can't see that changing um, on Sunday. I mean, I remember St Kilda going over there and rolling Port Adelaide last year, and watch what really showed that they were a they were a finals contender, the Saints, and they obviously went on and. Won a, won a final against the Dogs, which was really... And they had a really good season, I thought. They showed something against Richmond. That's kind of why I'm still high on them now. I think their best is is still good. But I just can't see them matching up with Port, who... I mean, St Kilda currently ranked 17th in the competition for points conceded. Port, Port, Port can score. This could get ugly. I've got, I've got Port by 50 as well. Now... Um... I don't think we'll have time to do the game we're most looking forward to and blow out of the round. But if you just if you listen to the podcast, you could probably figure out both of our answers to that. Um, briefly, before I go and before my computer dies, just want to mention this. Brisbane AFLW champions, congratulations. Great grand final victory. Hotter especially. One of the best goals you will ever see in any grand final. Men, women, any different. Like VFL, VFLW, AFL, AFLW, doesn't matter one of the greatest grand final goals you'll ever see. Absolutely unbelievable. And if you haven't seen it yet, dear listener, do yourself a favor, watch the highlights of that game or watch the full game. Either way, it was a fantastic contest. Thank you, Fraser, for joining me for this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. It's a pleasure having you on board. Sorry, a little bit bit of an interrupted episode, but that's all right. Uh, Hopefully, hopefully by this time next week, the internet problem will be sorted out. Or if not, then, dear listener, you'll just listen to this echoey mess again <laughs> week. Good luck for the Swans. Um, I hope, for your sake and my sake, that they beat the Suns on Saturday. And thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. I'll see you next week. Until then, sayonara. Sayonara.